Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. We're back with another episode of The Stacks, a podcast all about books. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today for The Stacks Book Club, we're discussing Work Party by Jacqueline Johnson. And to help us do that, we have Callie Cholodenko, who is the founder of Something Social, a social media and marketing company. There are no spoilers today, just a frank discussion of the trials and triumphs of creating your own company and being a working woman in 2019. You can connect with Callie and Something Social in the show notes, and you can find details of everything we talk about on today's episode in that link as well. Make sure to link up with the Stacks social media at the Stacks Pod on Instagram and at the Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter, or check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. If you're following us, you'll never miss out on upcoming events, fun giveaways, and more. If you love the Stacks and want to support the work we're doing here, go to the Stacks Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash the Stacks. That's a place where you can contribute to the work we're doing on the show and get perks for yourself, including inside access like our virtual book club and more. To join the Stacks Pack, go to patreon.com slash the Stacks. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and that you leave us a rating and a review. It goes a long way to helping the show reach new audiences. Okay, let's dive into the Stacks Book Club discussion of Work Party by Jacqueline Johnson with Callie Cholodenko. All right, you guys, we are back again today for the Stacks Book Club. We're going to be discussing Work Party, How to Create and Cultivate the Career of Your Dreams by Jacqueline Johnson, who's the CEO and founder of Create and Cultivate. We're joined again by the lovely Callie Cholodenko, who is a social media maven. Her company is Something Social, which she founded and is the creative director of. Callie, welcome back to the Stacks. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yay. I'm so excited to talk to you about this book. We'll just start where we always start, and then I'll kind of circle back. So, What did you think of Work Party? Well, I was very excited to read Work Party. Um, Jacqueline Johnson is somebody that I've known since early on in my career Mm. and has been, you know, somewhat of a mentor and just someone that I've always kind of looked to for, okay, like, how is she doing it? And and what was that move that she made? Um, I feel like she's me, but like a few years ahead of me. So, um, so I was really excited to read it and I, I really liked it because it was very relatable. Mm -hmm. I think it was very relatable as a business owner, but also I could imagine it being very relatable as somebody who is just starting their career or hasn't decided what they wanted to do yet. And it was very honest. And I think that some of the points, which we'll get into and some of the things that she talks about 
are important for people to hear whatever place they are in their career journey. So totally. Yeah, I agree. So when I started the book, I kind of was like, I hate this. Her tone or like her voice is like very, she was like a lot of like hashtag this and like she has these like little pauses where she like interjects. And I found some of that to be like kind of irritating at first. Once I got used to that, I actually really ended up liking the book, which surprised me because normally I'm like, this is annoying. Like I hated um, How to Be a Badass. Yeah. Because it was kind of like that the whole time and I didn't really feel like she had that good of advice to me but like this I actually felt like there was some interesting advice and I thought she repackaged advice that I'd heard before in like a different way that I thought worked Um, and I also found it to be pretty accessible like it was a quick read Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like work to me which I really liked but the in the beginning I have to say I was like oh my god how am I gonna finish this book well it's funny you bring up the voice note because that's something I've heard my whole life is like I have a valley girl voice and Mm -hmm. I know like I've gone back and listened to podcasts that I don't that I've done and I'm cringing because I'm like oh my god you how do I sound this way and it's actually been like a very conscious concerted effort of mine to change the way that I sound so we'll see how I do on this one (laughs) um but it's funny because when I when I started it I noticed the same thing I was like wow this okay here we go but I think because I have empathy for that I was right. like you you do your thing girl but is that you how know? she talks in real life mm-hmm. she really like talks and like da 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 hashtag and like da 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 I think the hashtags were um an added element for the story okay. and you know sometimes I wonder as I'm reading books oftentimes or listening to podcasts or consuming any sort of media right. YouTube videos especially mm. I think to myself okay was there a very specific audience demographic in mind for this because I've played into that too where you know I'm watching something and they're like these animated caricatures of themselves and doing these like um hello or like whatever that thing is and I'm like okay there has to be something that this is working for because all these YouTubers talk this way so I would venture to guess that there was a a concerted effort to do that keeping in mind a certain type of demographic and or knowing that that's what they're used to from the YouTube world right yeah I wonder about about that that because I'm like that's not gonna age well right this book I don't know that this book will be even though some of the information in it I think is really good and will age well I think the tone or like the voice of it is not going to and I think this book too is very timely like it definitely is very current yeah there's a lot of current events that it talks about a lot of kind of like where we are right now um one thing that I loved which we can talk about later is just how much she you know shared other female entrepreneurs and their stories I thought that section was amazing uh but that too like it'll be interesting to see okay in five ten years where all those businesses and then what is it like to go back and listen or hear read where they were at this point right and are those women still at those companies yeah started new companies yeah yeah I thought that stuff was really good she had like one of the co-founders of away and the founder of bando Mm -hmm. how do you say it bando yeah anyways yeah bando um and she had Ellen Bennett who has the apron yeah and she had I don't know she had a bunch Ali Webb dry bar Yeah. yeah so that was like I did really like that part um and she does do a good job of kind of like she does like a little like me too section, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Um, and and she talks a lot about her own like personal story, which some of that I didn't really care about, but I felt like it made sense why she did it to kind of like 
create a narrative in the book, like mm-hmm. to create a structure where it's like you're following her from where she started to where she is now. So you see that it's like this journey. I just didn't particularly care about her journey so much as her, like, I don't know, like her breakup. Like I was like, okay, right. Like I don't need this. Well, I think that her business breakup I was interested in. I think that there's, I was just going to say there's personal journey and professional journey. And this book had a lot of both of those things. And again, I think, you know, it's very easy to look at somebody now and go, I'll never get there or I can never get to that point or they had funding or they had this or they had that, you know, whatever thing that you've made up in your head about why you can't do what this person has done. And I think by sharing the journey of, okay, no, I got let go or this person, um, you know, another, uh, another business, um, women owned business in Los Angeles is nine zero one. It's a hair salon by Mm -hmm. Nikki and Rihanna. And they share their story all the time because they had funding and they had an investor. And like the week that their lease was starting, they pulled out and they were like, great, we're going to put all of our savings into this. And you know, plan B is to literally sleep in our salon. But I think it's important for people to hear things like that because it's not always peaches and puppy dogs, like getting from point A to point Z. And so what I liked that she shared was some of the hardships. Yeah. I like some of the, I like the business yeah. stuff. I didn't care about her personal, personal stuff. And I'm sure some people, cause I didn't, I don't, I didn't know her. I don't, I didn't know create and cultivate and I didn't know Jacqueline Johnson. So for me, I was like, I don't care, but I feel like if you follow her, cause yeah. I did look up her social media and she has a big following and like yeah. create and cultivate has a big following. So if you are engaged with her on social, I understand why you might be like interested in that part of her life too. Cause like you might know about her husband or like you might right. know about her dog, which I was like, I don't know. Like, meh. right. Or you're looking <laughs> at someone who, like you said, you have that familiarity with and you're, it's kind of this like voyeuristic thing that yeah. happens these days with influencers and all these different, you know, avenues of you want to know how how they did what they did but not just that you want to kind of know like oh okay so she was dating this guy and like oh right. he did it and he screwed her over so right. there's a little bit of the drama I think that yeah you know, like oh I remember like a few years ago when she was like posting about like having stressful times and that must have been when she that was selling the company like, yeah. yeah so yeah I get it it just didn't for me I was like Meh. yeah but I am more interested in her I'm like maybe I'll follow her we'll see I'm very uh stingy with my yeah, follows picky. <laughs> gotta be picky <laughs> um Okay, so let's talk kind of about kind of like the content of the book. You and I are both business owners. Yours is a bigger, more successful, longer running (laughs) business. Mine is a baby podcast, but that's fine. Let's talk about like what it was like for you to start a business. Like you, we talked a little bit about it last week. You worked at another company for six months. Then you were like, I can do this and you did it. But like, what would, if you could go back now to yourself at 23, what are thing? What's something that you would change about how it started, and what's something that you are like? I'm so glad that I did this in the beginning. So I think for me, one thing that I had to get, I really had to get over the hump of I don't know how to do this, mm-hmm. or I've never done this. And there's there's two sides to that. On the one hand, I think you know, calming myself down a little bit and just saying like, hey, listen, literally nobody does. Right. Like no one knows what they're doing. That's one thing I've absolutely learned by owning a business is that literally no one knows what they're doing. So I did a pretty good job, I think, in the beginning of just saying one foot in front of the other. As soon as I got past the first hump of like, okay, I'm doing this thing, then it was like, okay, I need to go to the bank and open up a bank account for my business. Okay, I need to come up with a name for my business because I literally did not have a name for the first like three months. 
um, you know, I need to go on legal zoom and like file whatever thing I need to find to be incorporated or to be, you know, the legal side of things. I need to get a CPA. Like I did a good job about taking one step at a time and also getting the right people around me. And I think that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I will give anybody starting a business and that I would have told my 23 year old self is you don't know what you don't know and there are people around you who do know and so getting you know my dad's a lawyer but he's had his own practice so I was able to ask him a lot of things my mom's a chiropractor she has her own practice so even though on the surface these things have nothing to do with social media they they both have employees they both have to pay taxes you know they both had to file the proper legal documents for Mm -hmm. their business and so going to them getting a business advisor getting a mentor all of that sort of thing I think is crucial and then also I would say having a little bit more compassion for myself that Mm -hmm. it's okay to not know everything in the beginning and it's okay to you know make mistakes here and there because it's literally the only way that you learn right and this idea of I'm gonna do everything right I mean I still struggle with this of I have to do everything right and it's just not even kind of close to a reality and sometimes (laughs) the most fun moments are the ones where you make a really big mistake and you have to figure it out it's right. exhilarating right Tot- I mean that's totally true one of the people she talks to is Morgan bomb who is one of the creators of Blavity which is like a black website and one of the things she talked about in her section was like my parents aren't entrepreneurs my parents don't have that like trying to find those resources and stuff and like one of the things that I think this book misses the mark on as I think that there's an opera was an opportunity for like more intersectionality. And this book feels very like white woman privileged kind of like, and, and that's who she is, I think based on the book, but I felt like she doesn't talk about how it might be different for a woman whose family, like a family from a family of immigrants or someone who's in a wheelchair or someone like that. There are struggles within the like big title of being a woman or someone who's maybe gender queer or something like that. Like, and how do we support each other in those ways? And like, she talks a lot lot about like lifting up people around you, but she doesn't talk a lot about like recognizing your own privilege and being like, let me, let me use my voice to lift up someone who isn't like me, you know? Yeah. So I felt like that was a big miss for me in this book And, like, pretty much that one woman was really the only voice who even spoke about, like, being other from, like, whiteness. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just you saying that, being like, yeah, that is such a nice thing, like, to have, like, role models who do that. But for women who don't have that, like, that's probably even a bigger hurdle. Like, so much harder. Well, I mean, even you saying that, like before you know you said that after what I said but I just played right into it of you know yeah that I was given an advantage in terms you know I can say oh I was 23 and I'm a girl and I was out of college and I was making it up but I can't ignore the fact that my parents had their own businesses and were able to give me advice or that I'm in Los Angeles or that I'm white or any of those things so you know I do think that that is something that people should talk about more and probably could have been yeah, I just wish it was more in this it. book just because I feel like it could have made the book like a stronger representation of like women across the board. Yeah. Right. Like it we was all just... have our own experiences and like your experience or my experience or whatever. Like I'm lucky I come from a lot of privilege and like 
I, because of that, I have less fear, I think, yeah. about failure than someone who it's like, if I fail, I lose my house, yeah. right? Like, so I come to the table with that kind of privilege, but, and we all can only speak for ourselves, but I think when you sit down to write a book about, you know, creating the career of your dreams and there's, you know, something on here says something along the lines of like, for millenn- for all millennials and like, I think you have to include a bigger range of experience, yeah. you know? I think it leaned in really hard on women. Yeah. Um, but not across the board. Right. Not yeah. like being specific with what that means. Right. Um, and, you know, I get it, but I also, I just wish there was more of it. Yeah. Um, for me, like when I started the stacks, I didn't really think that it was a business, to be honest. I kind of was like, I'm going to talk about books. Like, yay, this is going to be a fun thing that I do. And so one of my biggest one of the things I wish I could go back and fix was to think about the business side of what I was creating or the potential business mm-hmm. side of what I was creating because I didn't think it was going to be a job necessarily. Right. Or I thought, oh, if it's successful and it becomes a job, I can reevaluate then. But I didn't realize like, oh, I'm going to hit the ground running. And if it works out good and people like it and I start to like, I'm not going to have time. So now I'm like, you know, a year and a little change in being like, oh, shoot, like I need to figure this out. <laughs> Like, what am I supposed to do? But the flip side of that is one of the best things I think I did for the show or for myself was just to start. Yeah. And she does talk about that. Like, you just got to start. And I think that if I had been worried about, like, how will I make this scalable? And, like, how is this a business? And where will the money come from? And all this, I never would have started because I would have been like, I don't know. And I don't care. I just want to read. Never mind. I think that's such a good point to bring up is when you're starting something. Because I, even myself, I look at, okay, when I started the something social that was my mentality it was like let's just start let's do it let's go I'll figure it out as I go I would go into meetings they'd ask me if I could do something I'd have no idea how to do it I'd say yes I'd leave the meeting and be like I will figure this out and and then I think in a certain way I've lost a little bit of that along Mm -hmm. the way because for example like I've said I'm gonna start a podcast for like a year now (laughs) and I still have done nothing about it you know like from the first time we started you know I knew the lady gang like a year ago I've been saying I'm gonna do this and I haven't and I think yes of course there there's a reality to I have a business to run and my clients need me and if push comes to shove and I have a client request versus like my own project that I'm working on I'm always gonna go with the client request but that being said I think there's also this fear that's crept in a little bit with, well, now if I'm going to put something out there, it better be perfect because people mm-hmm. know me or they follow who I am. And again, I'm not that big of a, t- it's not that it's just this self-inflicted fear of whatever others think that, oh, okay, Lord. if I'm going to put out YouTube content, it better be amazing. Or whereas before my younger self would have just done it to, to do it. You right. Know? Cause you're like, I need content. Exactly. Right. Like that's the same, totally the same thing here. Like, cause we have an Instagram account that's like grown totally organically and it's great and I love it. But like, I used to just do stuff and be like, I'm annoyed about this thing. Like in the book world, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, uh, do people care? Right. Do I really have a point? Like if I get like three stories in, like what's the end? Like, so I feel like I found myself like being on my stories less. Yeah. Just because I'm like, I don't know, I'm doing Overthinking. it wrong. Because now there's like 10,000 people who are paying attention before it was like a thousand. And I knew all of them basically. Yeah. So like that definitely like is something that I feel like gets in the way of creating your content or like creating your 
your brand. Yeah, like, it's putting, like you, just putting it out there. Yeah, putting, you you're putting your you out way. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a bummer because in the beginning, and she does talk about that in mm-hmm. this, like talks about just like getting started and like being passionate about your creative, your creative part and like taking it seriously. And I think like so much of the business stuff can get in the way yeah. of the creative stuff, which is hard. How do you balance? Right. Because you can't, it's like then, you know, you can't be all creative and no business. Right. So I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And again, it brings me back to ask for help. Like you can't do it all (laughs) yourself. And I'm learning this more and more even now. Like, okay, being a good leader means bringing out other people's strengths. It doesn't mean my way is always the right way. And sure, a lot of the time I have final say or a lot of the time I have the experience. But I'm also, you know, I never want to overlook a fresh perspective coming in and seeing things differently than what I can see with my own tunnel vision. Right, right, totally. And in this book, there's a bunch about team. Yeah. So how did you have a team of 11 people? So yeah. it's you plus 11. Yeah. How did you build your team? How do you know who to hire? How do you know when to fire? Have you had to fire? What's that like? Yeah. So, <laughs> and I think too with, you know, she talks so much about, about that in this book. And also one thing that I will say is that Create and Cultivate has not only it's the conferences, but it's also become a resource for people like me who don't know always how to manage those situations. And I'll get into how I do it, but wait, we should pause really quickly. Do you want to explain what Create and Cultivate is? Yeah. Because I I didn't do it. And I I think you probably know better than me. Yeah, totally. So Create and Cultivate started, um, as a conference, Jacqueline did like a tiny version of it in Palm Springs and then it grew. And by the time she did her first Los Angeles one, it was already, much bigger than the first and over time has become not only conferences for women across, um, you know, like in real life conferences across the country, but it's become an online resource as well with blogs and newsletters. And there's a classified section for hiring and all sorts of resources. Um, Now work party became the book and the podcast, but it's really just like a community of women all over the place that have come together for whatever, you know, common desire they have to grow, to learn, to connect, to create, to cultivate their careers. Um, And I think that, yes, there's the in real life experiences, which are the conferences themselves. And now, of course, there's a ton of conferences, but they've kind of paved the way for what that looks like in brand activations and integrations and partnerships and all of that. Um, but their blog and newsletter also have a ton of really awesome resources Mm. that, I mean, I have found myself like, doing a phone interview and kind of drawing a blank and Googling like create and cultivate questions to ask during an interview. (laughs) And within 30 seconds, I have like 10 new ones that I can ask on that that. phone interview. So they're a really awesome resource. Um, But growing and managing a team is probably 50% of my day and my time and everything that I do. And it's been part of the most enjoyable experience and most stressful of running a business Mm -hmm. again one foot in front of the other I got to a point where I had a few clients in the beginning I had more clients than I knew what to do with I knew I was going to start forgetting things and dropping the ball on Mm -hmm. things bam here's my first hire and even my first hire came in like the funniest way I ran into a girl that I knew from my college from USC we were in the same sorority she was a year older than me 
we ran into each other at Cycle House, which I joke is like the, <laughs> the center, the epicenter right. of like everything that has happened in my life. Um, we ran into each other and we did one of those, oh, we should get lunch. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, but she followed up and we went to breakfast. Little did I know she knew exactly what she was doing. She knew I had just started the company. She mm. was interested in social media, but she was very casual about it and was like, yeah, you know, I'm doing social for my parents' accounting firm. I kind of want to get more into it. And I was like, well, I, I need help and, right. you know, it might be part-time, but it could be full-time. And literally I like hired her on the spot at oh breakfast. Um, and you know, she's she still, still yes, <laughs> she's still with us. She's now our VP of operations. Oh so God, she's it. been with the company over four years now. Um, and you know, in the beginning, that's how I did almost every hire. I would literally come back to the office and be like, oops, went to coffee with this girl, hired her. Right. But it was, I knew I needed help and I knew that it was more important that the person had the, a personality that was willing to work hard, be flexible, be, you know, wear many hats, be in it, be excited, be passionate, be creative. Then they actually knew the technical side of social mm -hmm. media because I knew I could teach that. Right. Um, and I think the hardest thing is over time, you know, the, our first employees would spend all day, every day with me. They'd see what I was doing, see how I was responding to emails, see how I was answering calls, mm. see how I was taking photos, doing flat lays, editing. But over time, when you have six, seven, eight, those people can't be stop, you know, sitting in my office all day long right. learning what I'm doing. So I've had to learn to empower my leadership team to then empower their team below them and trust that they've picked up along the way enough about how we do things that they can then train right. others. Right. And finding the right people is really tough. You know, it's you, you have a couple hours to get to know somebody between phone interviews and in persons. And oftentimes you don't know what they're really going to be like. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And there've been many times where luckily for me, when the when the relationship has really not seemed like it's going to last, it's been pretty mutual, and the mm. person has opted to leave um, right around the time that I was getting ready to to ask them to, to, ask them to, to leave. Uh, so that's kind of worked out. But you know, there's always a balance of what's a strike, what's a firing offense. Can I trust this person to do you know to step it up, or are they going to continue to make these mm. mistakes? You know, can I trust this person in general? Right. And just for, for me, it's very hard for me. You know, I, I have an uh, similar to Queen Cultivate. I have eleven girls that are between the ages of call it you know twenty three and thirty two. Mm -hmm. I'm twenty eight. Okay. It is hard to remember. I'm the boss. I'm not their friend. Right. And we have a friendly environment. And I care a lot about my team. I care so much about them. Mm -hmm. But it's very hard to remember to find that balance, right. that line. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you're like not – it's not like what I feel like we used to think about is like the boss is like – 60 and like you're right. like 15 right <laughs> like it's not like an ice cream parlor job yeah at the lake. like it's different in now. any other scenario I'm you know I always joke we go out to lunch and I'll get the bill and I'm like what does the waiter think I am to these girls you right. know because <laughs> to right. anyone else like I I would blend in and I would look one of the same but right. for me you know not to get my feelings hurt if I'm not included in something it's like yeah of course I'm not I'm their boss like I don't you know and my worth doesn't have to be evaluated based on whether an employee leaves or stays or the client comes or goes you know right. there's a lot of that there's a lot of the ups and downs that I just constantly remind myself, don't take it personally. It's not about you. Right. So hard. Isn't that the hardest part? Yeah. It's like, don't take it personally. Yeah. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last 
three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. How important is it to you to hire women? So I get this. I have a lot of people ask me about this well, because my you company said all your, all your is all women. women. So yeah. I'm just curious if that's something that you're like really passionate about or if it just kind of like worked out that way or that's the industry. So it kind of started that way where, you know, again, in the beginning, I had a lot of girls either from USC or referrals, friends of friends coming to me saying, I see what you're doing. It looks really cool. I'd love to be part of it. Um, and then we started posting, you know, job at, on job sites or on Instagram to hire. But it was like four, then five, then six women. And it kind of got to the point where, of course, I would love for a guy to join our team. I'm definitely open to that. But I do think that we have – there's kind of a nice dynamic that's mm. been created. Um, I think social media kind of lends itself to – and the type of work that we do, lifestyle industry, kind of lends itself to women. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm like, this poor guy would be stuck in a room <laughs> with like, you know, ten girls. Yeah. Um, so I think – you know, it's not that I am not open to hiring a guy. Of right. course I am. Um, but I also think that we have something kind of nice going with the way that it is now. And we have a lot of male clients too, um, which creates a good balance. Like I'll go into, you know, once a week I go visit one of my clients and I sit at the office for the day and I'll look around the boardroom and it's like 15 guys and me. So, but it balances it out nicely because I go from working with all women to, right. you know, being right. in a male environment. Is that hard? Being the only woman sometimes? It's really not. No. no. I mean, it's always interesting to see what they say or don't say around you or the kind of jokes they make or is there an awareness that a girl's in the room. Um, and they're a little, you know, everyone gets a little boys clubby. Um, but for whatever reason, it's never something that's bothered me personally. But I'm conscious about it with my with my team. I'll say that. I do not send – if there, if I have a new male client or a, a pre, you know predominantly male environment – until I've been there a few times and I know the vibe, I won't just like send one of my girls in to go handle that client for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and not because I think they're, you know, something's going to happen to them, but I don't know how someone's going to take a joke. I don't know how sensitive right. someone's going to be to a comment. And until I really can get a vibe that that's not mm-hmm. going to happen, I'm very cautious of just setting my team in. Like protecting your people. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I'm protecting my well, little 
yes. sense. What about like she talks about a little bit about harassment in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like in her negotiation section, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, because she kind of she talks about negotiations and it kind of starts with like she calls like smaller negotiations. Like, will I post this on my feed or not? Right. Or like, does this will I endorse this brand? And and that's that was the other thing about the book. I found the book to be really interesting as someone who works kind of, you know, like, I'm not kind of someone who works in media mm-hmm. and like you also work in media. And so I felt like I could connect to it, but I'm curious about women who work in corporate America or in other kinds of jobs who aren't so concerned about their quote unquote brand. Right. Like she talks like, you know, your reputation. I mean, obviously like the reputation is your brand or is you, that's important. But like some of the other stuff, I'm like, this is so irrelevant if you are an accountant. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, I, you know, I read everything through the lens of what I'm doing right. with my world and right. Jacqueline and I are very enmeshed in terms of friends, clients, relationships, our right. little bubble of a world. But I do think that, I mean, even when I have conversations with people about social, I recognize how much of a bubble that I'm in. Right. So I would be curious to, to know yeah. if it rang true or you know, was relatable to people right. that are not in this industry. Or if it felt like way too niche. Right. Because it fits in my world. Yeah. And there were some parts where I was like, mm, you know, like it didn't, but some of it, some of it did. Yeah. But I, so she talks about, so she talks a little bit like small negotiations yeah. about like, will I post this or will I wear this or will I endorse this or will I talk about this on my story, like politics or yeah. whatever. And these are like small negotiations. And then she kind of gets like the, the bigger negotiations being about like salary and raise. Yeah. But right before that, I think she talks about harassment and like mm-hmm. laughing at jokes and like the good old boys club and all of that stuff. And I found that part to be really interesting because I don't, I don't know. I felt like maybe it needed its own section, section. because I feel like for so many women, that's such a big part of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like it's such a big part of starting your own business. It's such a big part of working in corporate America. I mean, I used to manage the flywheel that I teach at currently and flywheel's corporate, but it's not like, you know, it's not like Salesforce, right? you know, like it's not that corporate, but I felt like I was constantly making negotiations like because I'm a woman and because I'm a black woman and like the stereotypes that come with that and like being like angry and like all this stuff I was constantly negotiating Mm -hmm. like little minor microaggressions and things that I didn't even notice until I left that role and like I would have loved even more like people like she doesn't really talk about people commenting on how you look yeah which I think is such a such a huge part of being a woman working anywhere yeah I work from my house when I do this podcast so I can dress however I want and like I don't really care but if I go to a book event like I'm very concerned about how I look yeah like I'm very concerned about that and that's someone and like I read and I talk about books like I'm not asking people for millions of dollars right right like or if someone comments on your hair or your makeup or your body or something that you're not wearing makeup right Like, I would have just loved more of that because I feel like that's huge and that is universal for women who work. Yeah. I think that's such a good point because it wasn't – it was addressed in the sense of, like, you know, financial negotiations or monetary or contract and things of that nature. But just looking at, like, a physical appearance, I mean, I know how much I think about it. And I know how much when I'm going into a meeting, it's played both sides. Like, there have been times where 
um, you know, I thought to myself, oh God, I'm here. I am this 24 year old blonde girl. You know, my employee that's coming with me is a 25 year old girl. Like we're going to sit in this room with these higher ups and there's no way that they're going to take us seriously or, um, you know, oh shoot, like that my button might be too low or whatever the thing might be, you know? And then on the flip side of it, I've thought, oh, well, I'm going to walk in here and I'm going to be this young girl who's super cute. And you know, this client's going to love that because they're going to think I get it. Like it's gone on both ends of the spectrum. Um, interestingly enough, I just like a fun little tidbit. I was actually a social media expert witness in a court trial. Excuse me? Yeah. Talk about that. (laughs) Sorry. Sidebar for a second. So interestingly enough, um, the same way that there are medical experts, there are now social media experts needed in court cases. My jaws. I know. I can't believe it. Same. Same. And I've done it. Um, and I was on the stand and I was very aware of, you know, what I wore and how I dressed and being in this courtroom. And I thought it was so interesting because the women that were on my, my lawyers happened to be men and their lawyers happened to be women. And when I was being cross-examined the, and I know it's their job, I get it they're, They were doing their job, but the only angle they could take, because from a technical perspective, I was so much more in the favor of, you know, my side of the case. The only angle they could take was I was young, I was blonde and my voice. And they went in so hard on me about those things. And I remember sitting there being like, oh my God, like, yeah, that's their job. But it was this like young girl, young girl, young girl, blonde, 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 valley girl, valley girl, valley girl. And they Mm. just kept going in. And it made me think a lot about like how I carry myself and how I speak and what people can use against me and all of that. And I think it's something that, you know, it's not normally put, you're not literally put on trial for it. Like I literally was in this case. Um, but I think that it is something that plays into being at photo shoots, being in meetings. I think about it with my team, you know, if someone's wearing a really cute outfit, but it's a crop top, I'll have to be like, you know, Hey, like you can't wear that when we're going to visit a client, you have to be conscious of something like that. Yeah, no, totally. And like one of the, one of the pieces of advice she gave around, like, this is more about like sexual harassment or like inappropriate jokes. She gave this piece of advice that was just like, cause she kind of walks through like, okay, what can you do as a woman? Right. Right. And like the first thing was like, you don't have to do anything. It's not your responsibility to like confront a harasser yeah. like if it makes you uncomfortable. But she's like, if you feel like you can, one of the easiest things to do is just to say, can you, what did you say? Repeat like, that. Repeat that. I thought that was and really I was like, interesting. That's so fucking true because I've been in situations where people have made jokes, not about me being, well, sometimes me being a woman, but also sometimes like racist things mm-hmm. or like slightly racist things or overtly racist things. And I've been like, wait, what? And like, that is it works pretty much every time wow. unless you're dealing with an actual jerk like right. a major like, a like someone yeah. who's just like really just like doesn't give a shit yeah but like I thought that was so good because I'd never really thought about it but I can think of two times where I have done that and I've been like wait what oh, okay cool 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 thanks 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 because either they'll say it again and like kind of do it sheepishly or they'll be like oh no no it's just a joke like, That's okay. I actually took note of that also. And I thought the concept of like, oh, what did you say? Or oh, what was that? Is such a good. It's such a good one. Yeah. Because sometimes people say jokes thinking like it's going to land and they're so cute and funny. And then you call them on it like in such a subtle way. Like, oh, I didn't even. Oh, what? Like, I'm not even paying attention to you. Yeah. It's like can be really jarring yeah. for someone who's like obsessed with making other people feel small. Right. right. So I really, I really thought that was good. Yeah. Um, One of the other like 
huge things that I think comes up in this book is money. Yes. I would have loved more money. Yes, me too. Because she talks about like we need to talk about our salaries and we need to talk about how we make money and bonuses and our contracts and all that stuff. And I wish that there was like more nitty gritty on that because I still am like, I don't know. Like podcasting is like, while there are major podcasts out in the world, it is still kind of wild, wild westy because anyone can make it from their house or from wherever. And like, so like, I don't know how much other people get for their ads. I don't know how much... You know, and like, I don't know what I should be asking for. Or like, I don't know what I should be asking for on my social media part. Or like, right. you know, like there's all this stuff. And I would have just loved more of like, how do you figure it out? Like, how do you know? Like, how did you figure out this is what I should be charging for a post? Or this is what I should be charging for a post and a story. Right. So or this is what I should tell my clients to charge for those things or whatever. I thought that was such a good discussion. And again, same thing. I would have wanted more of it. And I think it's actually something that when I first even met Jacqueline was something that I was like oh okay like she gets that side of things in the negotiation you know right but I think part of the problem is that I think people are like they don't want to ruin it for themselves or anybody else so let's say you know there's there's two sides of it there's either oh I'm way undercharging and I don't want to admit to somebody else that I have this amazing client and I'm so cool but oh by the way the only reason I have them is because I'm charging them like two dollars or I don't know my worth or I don't know my worth and then on the flip side you don't want to like you know what if um a big brand was paying you for your podcast ads and they're just not savvy and they don't get it and they're paying you like quadruple what they should be paying you right. you don't want to expose that because then you don't want that to stop so right. you know what i right. mean so i think there's both sides of it and you know we always that the game that's so funny to me is like when you're waiting on a proposal or you're waiting to sign a proposal and it's kind of like who's going to be the first person to right. say the range because right. You just don't know. There are some people who think $2,000 a month is right. And there are other people that think, oh, yeah, we budgeted $15,000 a month. And, you know, who's to know? So I was very concerned with one of my biggest fears when I first started sending proposals was if I go too high, they're just going to say no. Mm. And I have learned over time that if you go too high, most of the time they come back and they say, okay, well, that's out of our budget. What can you do for blank? Mm. Not always. It has happened a couple times where they go, oh, you know what? You're too expensive for us and we don't want to undervalue you. So goodbye. And I'm like, damn it. I should have made it lower. But then most of the time when you make an accommodation and you give them, you know, a discounted rate, you end up doing more work and you resent them and it doesn't end up working anyways. Does it ever happen where you go high and they say, okay, but if we're going to pay you for this, we also need X, Y, and Z. Yes, that has happened. Uh, definitely. And then you, again, I have to decide, okay, well, is it, you know, I went high. So yeah, it's worth it to me to do X, Y, and Z because it's worth it to me. And also in my industry, like having a big name client can go a long way. So there have been times where a bigger client has had a smaller budget for whatever reason. And I say, okay, I have to think of like the difference as like marketing dollars because I can now market that I've worked with right. this brand, right. but you can't do that for everybody. So, um, right. you know, it's tough because then I have friends that are clients that are friends and what if they talk and what if, you know, I, I do have standards for mm. the way that we bill, but there's always accommodations or there's always, right. you know, okay, well, can we do this? And what about that? And, and, and like how much you're willing to bend. Exactly. You're going to break. Yes. Yes. That's so interesting. Can I ask this? 
and this is like general. Yeah. If you're okay with answering, you can say no. But if for like on average kind of in the world, for someone who has a strong following, let's say like 300,000 celebrity type person, and they are drinking a new kombucha. So like not Coke, but not like, like healthy, let's say like, you know, like what is something like that run? Okay. So it's a great question. The, the most basic formula for it is a hundred dollars per 10,000 followers. Okay. So if I have $20,000, you, I mean, 20,000 followers, you could say, okay, that person's getting paid $200 per post. Got it. Now that doesn't take into consideration. Well, I have an engagement rate. That's crazy. Or I have a niche audience that is obsessed with anything that I post and Mm. in health and wellness. So me posting kombucha is going to have that much more of an impact than some other random lifestyle blogger posting kombucha. So, you know, we've seen, I mean, we get rate cards for influencers that are all over the board. It's crazy. But the basic rule of thumb is $100 per 10,000 influencers. So you can assume that person with 300,000 followers is getting paid three grand. Right. Okay. And like, if you're doing more than just a post on your Instagram, if you're doing a story or like to make a recipe or whatever, then it could be more. And if you're creating a video too, like a recipe, that's a great point. Okay. Well, if I'm creating a video and you're able to use this on your social channels, that's another $1,500 for me to do the video. Because I need to have all my team and the the camera and the da-da-da-da. Okay, I'm just always curious, like, yeah, because I know some people do make like crazy bank millions, like so much millions. money. Not to talk about The Bachelor again, but yeah. those people, oh, it's their whole life crazy, and they it's make like, millions. I don't follow any of them because I don't like all their yeah. con con, but <laughs> I watch their television program. Um, I just been very curious about that. Uh, and brands life. are not that savvy yet, so you have some that are like spending crazy amounts of money because they just don't know any better. And they have mm-hmm. some in-house marketing person being like, we should work with influencers. Right. And, and then, we have this much money. We right. And then on the flip side of it, you have people who are savvy who are like, well, let's do a partnership or let's do a capsule. I mean, that's why you see all these capsule collections now. Of, it's like a brand that already exists says, Hey, so-and-so we're going to do a sunglass line. That's, you know, at Cali X, this sunglass line Mm -hmm. so that it's basically like my own collection, but I'm not actually having to do anything other than maybe I design it. Maybe I put my name on it. Maybe I name each pair of sunglasses, whatever. Some are more involved than others. And some are super involved in their designing their own pieces. But the easiest way to do it is to slap somebody's name on it. And Mm. you know, it's a limited edition collection of the Cali sunglasses. Oh, that's very smart. Yeah. I want the Cali sunglasses. Right? Sunglass brands. (laughs) Hit me up. That's very smart. Well, what advice from this book stuck out to you? Was there any, were there any nuggets where you were like this? I think as a theme, and I can definitely, you know, pull out little lines, but I think the theme of it that stuck out to me the most was that like, I'm not alone in Mm. the feelings that I've experienced and the ups and downs and the good and the bad. And sometimes I can get a little eye rolly at, you know, the entrepreneur's journey is up and down and mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have failures and successes, but like, look at where we are. Like, okay, I get it sometimes. Right. But the truth is when I'm like sitting at my desk being like, Oh my God, like I messed this up or right. how am I going to do that? Or this person's doing that. Like there is a feeling of like, I'm the only one that's going through this and I'm the only one that's experiencing this. Mm-hmm. And throughout the book to just read and then hear the stories towards the end of like, it was an exhale moment for me of like, I'm really not alone in this. There are so many women that have experienced all of the small things. Like there were a lot of little baby 
almost insignificant, you know, similarities that I would right. hear that I was like, oh man, okay, like there are other people that get this. And it actually was also a good reminder of me to like open up to being honest about how certain things are for me and open up a little bit more of that and get like knocked down the facade of like, it's all good. It's all good. It's all right. good. You know? Yeah. That's I think that's true. I think kind of in that same vein, I was really struck by the like, um, well, imposter syndrome is like, Oh yeah. Destroys me at all times. Oh yes. Um, but I think one of the things that also stuck out with me was like the negative, like negative feedback, people who copy yeah. like, all of that stuff or like being jealous of other people who yeah. are doing what I'm doing or doing similar things like that is all something that I really struggle with because I'm so competitive and I want to be perfect and I want to be I don't want to be yeah. perfect I just want to be great and I want to be successful and I want like people to be like impressed by me yeah like, which is you know not why I do it but that's like one of the like I want that feedback totally. so like I've had people who've sent like really mean like nasty comments or like messages to me not like not even like Tracy you're an idiot like not like mean like that but like little things like call like using words to like describe like saying like I'm divisive or something mm. which I'm like mm, that's like hurtful to me because that's not what I'm doing right or like saying like you know you could do it this way and it wouldn't be you know blah 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 or like things like that that's been really hard so she talked a little bit about that or like also seeing people who like take your posts and like stealing your yes. posts or whatever yeah that's always really hard too because it's like I worked hard on this or like coming like I try to come up with fun things for my listeners like to engage with and then I hear other people are doing it and I'm like yeah get your own creativity this is killing me totally when she talks about kind of like you know you have to let it go and like some of it's like there is there's enough room at the table which I do believe and I think that if someone came to me and said could I steal this I'd be like yeah sure will you just tag me and I'd be like yeah sure I don't care but it's like I wake up and I see like something that I posted on someone else's account and I'm like If you just would have asked, I would have been like, yes, I'd be honored, you know? I totally am glad you brought this up because I've had so many instances of of that happening. And on the – like, logically, I know there's enough to go around. Like, Mm -hmm. I know there are enough businesses. I mean, you look at talent agencies, PR firms, beverages. Like, there are – there's so much competition. And I'm looking at, like, five companies. You know what I mean? So, on the one hand, yes, there is enough – room to go around but it's been very it's been a journey for me and a practice of like tunnel vision keep your stay in my lane don't look at what everybody else is doing mm-hmm. because it's so easy for me to go oh I talked to that client or that company got them but then two man- months later their their client comes to us so it's right. like it's just par for the course it's part of what it is but yeah. it's been an ongoing thing for me to work on as well as the imposter syndrome of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not smart enough to be in this room. They know better. They're older. They're smarter. Um, They're a huge company. So of course they know. Of course they know. Even though they never know. Even though they never know. And there's a reason that they're trying, you know, to hire me. Right. Um, I've had a, I've been really lucky. I have a business advisor that's been very supportive to me kind of from the beginning. And he was constantly like, Callie, you know more about this subject than anybody else that's right. in the room. You just have to know that. Right. Like, you got to go in with that mentality. That's so hard, though. It's hard. That- and with the with the um, reposting of your content, like, I find it interesting that other social media agencies will post something social's photos. Right. And I'm like, listen, if you're, like, an inspo account or something, like, by all means, go for it. But 
I actually had a very weird situation where a girl called us to um, help do part of a project for one of her clients. She doesn't really do as much influencer stuff as we do, so she brought us in. And I go to her website, and I'm reading the website, and I'm like, this is word for word. It's <sighs> word for word our website. This is so strange because she ca- she came to me, right? but it was literally verbatim. And then what do you do? So I, I called her and I was like, listen, I got to tell you, I went on your website and it's, uh, it's word for word our site. Like, I don't know if you had somebody else build this and you weren't part of it and you just didn't notice, like giving her the benefit of the doubt. And she was like, I'm so sorry. It was my web developer. I, I had no idea. Yeah, I took yeah, it down. Yeah. You know, anyway, so I, <laughs> the list goes on for, for situations like that mm-hmm. that occur. But I do think that we all have to be very conscious of, like, what's the difference between, listen, it's social media and we all post the same things. And, like, what's a blatant stealing of somebody else's work. Right. You know? Like, and they do talk about in the book, like, other some of the other women. And I think also Jacqueline talks about, like, you know, it doesn't matter if someone steals everything that you do, like your, your heart and your passion for what you've created will come through because it's like, you can't like the dry bar girl, what's her name? Allie Webb. She was like, she was like, there's other people who try to do dry bar, but there's a reason why we have 85 locations, like her work ethic and her passion for the blowout or whatever is what makes them successful. Right. That's the other thing. It's like, I have to remember someone can copy like one of my ideas or someone can copy one of my posts or whatever, but like, I'm still creating new ideas as I go. And like, they're not going to be ahead of me. If they're trying to steal my thinking, they're going to have to wait for me to put my thinking out into the world. So you're never going to be ahead of what I'm doing. And to remember that like, and I, you know, no one else is you. Exactly. And the one thing that you bring to the table that nobody else does is you. And so if you're like, you just said, if you're constantly innovating and you're changing and you're adjusting and pivoting, that is your way of staying on top of, you know, what everybody else is doing or copying you. Totally. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I really wanted to touch on from this book. Was there anything else that stuck out for you? I think another thing that, I, I thought it was interesting that the take it from them was how it kind of ended. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that there was like a little, there was like the little, like little ten kind of chapter, at the which end. I like that yeah. was like a nice summation. I loved that actually. And I think, you know, I almost wish that like the take it from them was kind of mixed throughout mm-hmm. rather than a whole section like each chapter had mm-hmm. a different take it from them. That would have been good. Like to break it up. Yeah. Just cause then I was like, wait a minute. Like I, you know, I was listening to your story and then it felt like it abruptly shifted. Yeah. Um, but looking at the Ten Commandments, like the thing that she keeps saying that I think is so important is be a pleasure to work with. That is the number one. <laughs> I'm so glad that she brought this up time and time again and that it was a theme throughout the book and that she talked about her team being a pleasure to work right. with because you can you can like I mean, we've I've had clients say to me verbatim, like your team is such a pleasure to work with. And we'll figure out the creative. Like if it's not gelling, we'll get that part handled. Mm -hmm. But because we enjoy working with you so much, that's what's going to make us stick as like a long-term client. And I think that that goes, you know, I don't know if it's talked about enough. I don't know what the situation is, but I think I've always, always said to my team, like if the only thing that somebody says about you when you leave a photo shoot or you leave a meeting is like, they were really nice. They treated us well. They were respectful. Like I'm good. Yeah. Because you could be the most talented photographer, but if you're an asshole, like, I'm never hiring you again. Right. You know? Right. And, like, thing, everyone, 
everyone else knows shit happens. Yeah. Like even if you feel like I've failed in this moment or like that photo shoot went terrible and I failed and I had a zit and this was a nightmare. Yeah. And if you can still like be a nice enough person, then everyone else is like, whatever. Nobody even saw the zit. Like, yeah, it was fine. The lighting was great. Nobody cares. But if you make that the nightmare for everyone else, they're going to remember that you're an asshole. Yep. Like they're not going to, they're still not going to remember the zit. Nobody so true. Cared. They're just going to be like, she was a jerk. So true. I do think that like that your repu you are your reputation and like your reputation goes with you. And so if you're a jerk in the beginning, people that you worked with in the beginning <laughs> remember that remember. you're a jerk. Even if you then get successful and you can chill out, which doesn't yeah. happen, that's a lie. But even if that did happen and you could chill out and be so nice and bake everyone cookies or whatever, like those hundred people that you worked with in the beginning who hate you because you made them feel small and stupid, they're gonna remember that. Yeah. And like they now have successful companies too and they don't wanna be around you. So I think that like I do think that like being a pleasure to work with is huge. so important. It's huge. And that's also part of like there's room at the table. Yeah. You know, like I do believe that there's room at the table. But part of being a pleasure to work with is also like being respectful and asking before right. you take someone else's stuff. Right. Right. Or like, can you help me? Because like I love helping people. I love to talk. I have a podcast. Of course, I love to talk. I'd love to give you advice about something that I know nothing about. But like if you're a jerk. Or you don't give me credit or you don't value my time or you're late to our meeting or whatever. Like, I'm going to remember that and I'm not going to want to help right. you. Because, like, yeah. I can hold a grudge. <laughs> yeah. Which well, is terrible. <laughs> but it's true about No, I, I get it. And I think, too, like, my team always makes fun of me because they joke that I literally know everyone. Because in some weird capacity, everyone that I'm on an email <laughs> with has some connection to this girl that oh, used right. to go here, that went to high school with him. You know, like, it's, it's a small world. Right. And I think she also does a good job in this book of talking about, like, making those connections at the beginning. And you never know what's going to happen with them. You never know what's going to come back around. Like I've had so many times where like I didn't get a client mm -hmm. and I was super bummed. And then, you know, two years later, that guy is now working for a different company and comes back to me being like, we made a mistake in hiring the other company. Now that I'm at this business, we want to hire you. Right. Had I been an asshole because he didn't, you know, you. choose my business, yeah. this wouldn't have happened. So totally. I think it's so important to remember that like connections come back around LA. I mean, every, I know there's not just Los Angeles listeners, but like every place is a very small, smaller right. than you think it is. Right. And Probably places that are not LA are even smaller. Even than smaller. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Um, and she does, you know, she, she does highlight that with, you know, having these friendships that maybe started when you couldn't get something from each other or it wasn't right. like somebody you know, it was a value add. You just liked them as a human right. and come back around and you have no idea how big of an right. impact they can have. Well, like my, my person like that is Becca, Becca Tobin. Because yeah. we were friends in New York. Her friend from high school was someone that I went to college with and we met when we were 18 and we like met smoking hookah and like we loved Amazing. each other and whatever. And that's now, you know, 10, oh, Carrie, low, 15 years yeah. ago. Like I've known Becca for 15 years and now, you know, like she was the person who was like, we should put the sacks on lady. Yeah. And like, I obviously wasn't like, let me become friends with this girl now because I think one day she'll be on Glee and then have a podcast that's super successful. <laughs> right. But like, we've been friends forever. And like when Becca moved to LA, we had moved a few months before and she lived in our guest room on her mattress on our floor. Oh. Like, but that's one of those things that's like, she is one of those people in my life that like, 
I can turn to her and she can come to me. Yeah. And like it, it was never about what we could get from each other because neither of us ever had anything. And right. now it's like we're Look kind of adults. Now. And it's like, <laughs> my God, Becca did this. Like it makes me cry because I'm like so lucky to have this relationship in my life because like look what Becca was able to do. But it was never like, oh, I'm going to keep Becca around because she of got course. cast on Glee. And like, yeah. Kitty or whatever it was. That? Kit- yeah. Kitty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so it's true. Like you make these friendships, but that's how you are here today. Be- right. I was like, that guy because needs Becca. someone. And yeah. she was like, oh my God, you'll love Callie. It'll be great. But it, you know, like that's how these things all yeah. happen and come together. And like, I love to connect people. Like I, I always, I'm like, I'm such a connector. Like I love it, but it's because I get so much joy when someone yeah. connects me, you know? And it's like, we have to like I that's part of like your reputation is who you are and like you are your brand it's like the things that are you're passionate about you have to make sure that that's important in your company yeah because like it's not just about beautiful pictures like if you're passionate about you know animals or whatever like giving back or whatever it is like that has to be reflected in the work that you do because that's what makes you like authentic right like versus just talking about books right or like and I think that's what like true authenticity is. And that word gets thrown around a lot yeah. um, these days, but being authentic to who you are and what matters to you and your relationships and, you know, not faking it because somebody can get you something all, I mean, people can see through that, but to your point, like just having those like real human connections mm-hmm. is what ultimately I think raises everybody up. And I think that's what she's getting at when it comes to like the collaboration over competition right. tagline, which is like, we can all collaborate and we can support each other and not have to go to that like scarcity. There's not right. enough to go around mentality. And competition is also really good and yeah. healthy. Like there is a place for collaboration and competition. Yeah. If it comes from the right place, it's like that scary competition. Right. Right. Like I have to cut you down to get ahead. Right. But like, there's nothing better for me. Like there's some other book podcasts out there that I like, you know, keep my eye on and I'm like, Oh shit, they just did this thing. Yeah. And, like, they got like written up on this thing. Like, okay. Like, I, I got to step it up. I got it's motivating. Yeah. yeah. And like, that is competition that like works for me, yeah. you know? And like, that's really powerful too. And like when other, when I have friends who are in totally different industries who have these successful moments, I'm like, okay, Tracy, like game time. Yeah. Like, let's go. And obviously I'm also like, come on my podcast. Like let's collaborate. You right. Know? But like, I, sometimes I feel like people, and I'm not saying Jacqueline did this, but sometimes I feel like people like competition is bad. Right. And for some people it is, it fuels me and it can be negative for me, but it's something that I am, yeah. you know, and for some people it does not work. Some but if you use it like in the right way, yeah. it's so true. It's like, okay, I got to keep my eye on the ball, right. you know, and I can't get lazy. I can't get complacent. I got to right. like keep innovating. And like one of the things that I also think in this book that is really good and like we, I think we know quote unquote now, especially like with like this movement towards like feminism and like yes. uplifting women is that we have to like hire each other and support each other. Yeah. But I think she does a really good job of like really saying that expressly and not just assuming that people know that, but right. like saying I got this thing because of this other woman who yep. shouted me out or like the Geronimo balloon woman was oh, like, yeah. I got $30,000 of orders because someone posted about me on their social media right. who had a big following. And I think we forget like, Sometimes we can offer other people something that's not just money. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes like if you have a huge following and you love X, Y, and Z, like shouting that yeah. out organically, authentically, 
that goes a long way. Yeah. And it takes so little. And I've seen it happen. I mean, we've had so many people that, you know, have supported us or that we've supported or sent us referrals. And like, I take those very seriously because without them and without the backing and the support of like other credit people in the space, like you don't grow. You can't. Totally. Well, we have to wrap up, but we have to talk about the cover and the title. Oh, yeah. So you Let's and I have different covers, which you guys will see in the Instagram we post. Do. You'll see the two covers. Um, Callie has the hard back and it has Jacqueline on it. And it kind of has like a swirly font. And she has like some pink fuzzy shoes on that are super cute and her little black outfit. And it's a cute cover. My cover is a paperback. And I don't like it very much. It's pink also, but it has like black work outline party it's just like very blah it doesn't have a vibe yeah mine's much cuter than yours mm-hmm. uh <laughs> it is no but I do I like the I like the hard back the hard cover is yeah. much more it speaks to me I almost wish they kept the font for work party on the paperback it would have been it, the font on yours is much more yeah like, has much more of a personal I'll take a picture side by side also to put in our story for the day this episode comes out so you guys can see it um What do you think of the title? Work party, how to create and cultivate the career of your dreams. Okay. So the way that they, I think it's, we need to talk about the way that they launched work party because an Instagram account was made called work party. Okay. Very, very vague. There was, there was no mention of what it was other than that it was powered by Create and Cultivate. So you knew it was from Create and Cultivate, but it just said work party. Mm. And I've seen like a teaser campaign, but this one lasted for months on end like months and months and months of posting work party work party work party work party to the point where I was like are they like reinventing the way that like humans exist like (laughs) it was such a long lead up it became a running joke with like you know a couple people that we and we were all very excited to hear what it was it wasn't like in a you know talking badly way we were just like we dm the post to each other being like what is it like what is it gonna be oh my god and so I think that the, the, the way that they titled Work Party went beyond the title of a book mm. and made it more of a movement, which is, I think, the intention of the title. It's also the, the title of the podcast. Right. So in that sense, if you're not isolating it as just a book title, I think they did a really good job yeah. with naming it Work Party because it seemed like a movement. Yeah. That's, see, this goes to the same thing of, like, does this book age well? Right. And I don't know because I didn't know any of that backstory. Right. I actually really like the title. I think work party is like kind of cute and fun. And I was like, I'm interested in this. Yeah. Like, and I like it more than like girl boss or like I'm right. glad that it wasn't just like it's the book is like feminine enough being like pink. Yes. You know, like I feel like it didn't need to be like ladies who leave. Right. Or, like, right. What right. A, I don't know. Whatever yeah. like, thing it would be. So I felt like I kind of liked that it was like work party. But again, if you don't know that backstory, then out of context it's a little out of context and like I didn't wasn't familiar with this book until this year it came out last year yeah so like I'm very late and even if I went back to the work party Instagram I'm sure it's not right that anymore anyways and I thought that subtitle was cute how to create and cultivate the career of your dreams because she's create and cultivate so I was like right good brand placement yeah (laughs) yeah it's a pretty straightforward title yeah and I think it goes I mean it it definitely is very like career focused but I think it also like a sub, you know, or like an alternate subtitle could have just been like kind of almost like one woman's story of like taking it from here to there type of thing and like what you can learn from it. I don't know how succinct you would have get that because (laughs) it's not just 
it's not just an advice book. It's a yeah. narrative. And I think that's what you were saying. It's like there's a lot of personal story yeah. and and whatnot. So maybe that could have been hinted yeah, at or in like, the subtitle yeah, one, a little bit. Like how Jacqueline Johnson created, created and, and cultivated. cultivated the career right. of her dreams yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. And how you can too. Yeah. Like, be like Jacqueline. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to throw out or add before we hop off? Um, I think, I mean, it was just so nice to discuss it with someone else Yay. too. I'm and so I love your points of view oh. and hearing it from like a reader's perspective, <laughs> I think is also, you yeah. know, it's really great. Yeah. So. Well, I love talking about this book with you also. And um, again, the book is Work Party by Jacqueline Johnson. If you haven't read it yet, you should read it. If if this sounds like something you're interested in, if you're an entrepreneur or you want to be or you started your own company or you're thinking about starting your own company or you work in a really male-dominated world or not or any of those things, I would recommend this book. Again, it's such a quick, easy read. Yeah. It's not like a beautiful, poetic you know, set of essays. Like It's very casual. But if that sounds like something you'd be into – definitely check it out because I I was I was sweetly surprised um all right well that's all thank you Kelly so much for being here thank you and we'll see you guys in the stacks Okay, we've come to the end of the road today. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you again to Callie Cholodenko for joining us. Thank you also to Jean Ann Rose and Rachel Brenner and the folks over at Gallery Books for sending us a copy of Work Party. Everything we talked about today can be found in the show notes. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. To join The Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show and more, go to patreon.com slash The Stacks and join the fun. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review this show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagiragis. This podcast was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. I will see you in the stacks.